Come on, Wasper, are you ready? All right. Hey, this, uh, and I know y'all love my jokes, so I don't even act like you don't. This, uh, a young, fresh, out-of-college graduate goes to apply for a job, first real job out of college, and the prospective employer asks the man, he says, what are you expecting as far as salary goes? He says, well, I, what I'm expecting, I'm, I'm expecting to get $80,000 a year starting out, a full benefit package. So the prospective employer said, well, how does this sound? A $100,000 a year salary, four weeks paid vacation, a company car, cell phone. How does that sound? The young graduate was like, are you kidding me? He said, well, you started it. Some of y'all get that. Uh, hey, we started this series, uh, Cause and Effect. The cause being Jesus, the cross, the resurrection, the effect, what it should have on every follower of Jesus' life. In fact, Shane Pruitt said this about that, if you'll bring that up. A Christianity that gets you into heaven while allowing you to continue living however you want to here on earth is a Christianity foreign to the New Testament. The real gospel changes who we are, then it also changes what you do. It changes your identity and your activity. Amen? So, listen, y'all better amen where you can. Um, today's effect it should have. Grow up. Grow up. Look at your neighbor. I'm going to do that preacher thing and say, hey, grow up. That was, a lot of y'all didn't, you're like, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> when it comes to talking about growing up, a couple of things we need to make clear. One is this, don't mistake stupidity for immaturity. Don't mistake stupidity for immaturity. Let, let me explain this. There's some things you can do as a child that people will be like, oh, they're just a, they're just a kid. You know what I mean? Like, hey, if you go outside and your two-year-old uh, two is out in the backyard eating dirt, you know, you're not going to say, what a stupid kid. You're going to say, ah, they're being a kid. Hey, you're building that immunity system. I'm going to get you a couple of worms while you're at it. <laughs> you know, if, if your two-year-old uh, comes running through the house buck naked while you've got company there, in which if you're at my house... Any given day, if Sonny comes running in, he's probably naked. <laughs> he was out swimming in the pool in his bathing suit. He comes knocking on the door, butt naked. I'm like, what are we doing here? That's my grandson, if you don't know. But at two-year-old, oh, that's cute. If you walk in and your two- or three-year-old is drinking out of the toilet. I mean, you may go, hey, quit, but you're not going to be like, but, but now here's the thing. Two or three-year-old. On the other hand, if you look out in the backyard and you're 15, 20, 25-year-old is eating dirt. <laughs> now, if you're from the South, you might hear something like, bless their heart. <laughs> if you're not from the South, let me clear this up. If somebody says that to you, they're not being nice or complimentary to you. They're saying you're stupid is what they're saying. Bless their heart. If, if that 15, 20, however, you're at home, you've got company over, they come running in butt naked. Stand there and start having a conversation. What's up? It's no longer cute, right? Something's wrong. If that 15, 20-year-old is drinking out of the toilet, something is wrong. So don't mistake stupidity for immaturity. Another thing, don't mistake age for maturity. Especially in the church world, we, we like to equate age to spiritual maturity. But here's the truth. I know some young followers of Jesus that just started following Jesus that decided, hey, I'm going to pursue him above everything else. They're making better decisions, better choices than some people that have been doing this a long time. So don't mistake age for maturity. 
And here's why we're talking about this, because I believe there's some either here or watching online. Uh, you see others having this transformation take place in their life. You see others that changing and God moving in, your, in their lives, but you don't see it happening in your life. Maybe you've even been a follower of Jesus for a long time, ever since you can remember. But for some reason, you're in a place where you feel stuck. Like you're not moving anywhere. You're, you've been here a long time. And if you grew up in church like me, when that happens, it's easy to set into a couple of different mindsets. Well, I've just got to work harder. I, and, and go into this where I've got to do more and more and more. Or it's easy to fall into this. Well, you know, God just doesn't work like that anymore. God just doesn't do miracles anymore. God just doesn't heal anymore. When we don't feel like we're, we're, we're not seeing or experiencing the God that we read about in the Bible. Are you with me? We're not seeing the great things that he talked about. If that's you, here's the question we all have to ask ourselves when we're saying, I don't feel like I'm receiving God's promises. I don't feel like he's promises, but I'm not seeing it. Here's what we have to ask. Is it that God isn't standing behind his promises anymore? Or is it that we have not postured ourselves to receive them? Could it be it's not a matter that God's not following through. It's just we've not placed ourselves in a posture that enables us to receive them. See, church, church, growing up, man, here's what we would use an excuse. Well, I'm just waiting on God. Could it be the reality is that God is waiting on you? Maybe it's while we're asking, hey, why hasn't God stepped in? Maybe God's asking, why haven't you stepped up? Pastor Casey's going to have a lot of fun with this Wednesday. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 4. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, don't worry. I'm going to bring it up on the screen. Give you a little context. In Galatians chapter 3, Paul's talking about faith versus works and, and, and the law and why the law was given to us in the first place. Then he goes in to how it relates to being a child of God. And then in verse 28 of chapter 3, he says, There's neither Jew, Gentile, slave, free, male, or female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. Paul then continues chapter 4 in this vein of explaining the difference between a child, a son, an heir, and a slave. And that's where we're going to dive in, verse 1, chapter 4. Paul says, this is what I'm saying. When young children inherit all their father owned, they are still no different from his slaves. It doesn't matter that they own everything. While they are children, they must obey those who are chosen to care for them. But when they reach the age the father set... They are free. Look what Paul says. It is the same for us. We were once like children, slaves to the useless rules of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son who was born from a woman and lived under the law. Paul is about to tell us why God would choose to send his only son. God did this so that he could buy the freedom of those who were under the law. God's purpose was to make us his children. What was God's purpose? Come on, what was God's purpose? To make us his children. Somebody needs to hear this. I don't, if you grew up feeling unloved, unwanted by a parent, if you feel like you grew up not feeling like you were worth anything, you need to hear Paul saying this to them and, and to you, that you were so valuable, you were so loved, that the only reason he sent his son to die was to buy your freedom and make you his child. That's the only reason. Let's keep going. Verse uh, 6. Paul says, since you are now God's children, he has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts. The spirit cries out, Abba, Father. Now you are not slaves like before. You are God's children, and you will receive, get this, everything he promised his children. This is so important for us to know what Paul is trying to explain here in this passage because we pray for God's promises. We don't see them. And Paul is saying this. Sometimes there's a gap between what God wants to give us and what we're ready or able to receive. 
Are you hearing me? Sometimes there's this gap. It's not that God doesn't want to give it to us, but we're not ready or able to receive it. There's this gap. Paul is saying that knowing who you are is essential to understand how God works in our lives. Look at verse 1 again. This is what I'm saying. When young children inherit all their father owned, they are still no different from his slaves. It doesn't matter that they own everything. He says, yes, they've got an inheritance, but right now you're no different than a slave. Why? Because you're still a child. You've not grown up. Verse, look at verse 7. Now, you're not slaves like before, but you are God's children, and you will receive everything he promised his children. Over and over and over in these few verses, Paul is reminding, you are God's children. You are God's children. He, he, you are his beloved. He loves you. You are completely his. Why would he say that over and over? Because Paul knew. That if we were ever going to walk in the full purpose that God has for us, our identity is going to be vital in this. We better know who we are in God. We better know who he says we are because we're living in a culture that loves to tell us who we are and who we are not. And if we are not grounded in who God says we are, it's going to be easy to fall into who everybody else says we are. Come on now. He says, you are God's child. You are his. What's sad, there's some of you that have spent the better part of your life trying to be what others told you you were or who they wanted you to be. And you did it trying to gain their acceptance and you spent all your time, your energy, abandoning who you were created to be to become who you think they want you to be. And then when the dust settled, you're left with an identity crisis. I don't really know who I am anymore. I, I mean, this is the epidemic we're seeing right now in our country. People don't know who they are. So they're trying anything and everything to find some kind of identity. Come on now. And we talked about this week. What, what happens is we keep changing masks hoping to find the acceptance, hoping to be wanted, hoping to fit in, to be loved. And in the process, we lose our God-given identity. See, your core identity has to be anchored to the one that loves you unconditionally. Has to be. The one that doesn't need you to be something other than what you were meant to be. I'm here. Listen, when you find your full and complete identity in God and God alone, when you anchor your life in who he says you are and the fact that you are completely his, that is the day you will begin to walk toward the fulfillment of the, of the destiny he laid out in your life. See, here's the problem. Some of you here today are watching online. You've received Jesus. You're a Christian. You're a follower of Jesus. But you're still living life like an orphan. And you've taken on this orphan mentality of, uh, I don't need nobody. In fact, you wear it like a badge. I'm the black sheep of my family. I don't even fit in with my family. I'm the black sheep. Here's the problem. No, you were meant to have a family. And God says, you're my child. I'm your father. This is the family you belong with. Quit trying to sit out there and do it on your own. Let's go back to verse 1. When young children inherit all their father own, what do the children inherit? Everything. Everything their father's own. And you need to understand, Paul is talking to us also, right? And he says, this is what I'm saying. When children inherit all their father own, they are still no different from his slaves. It does not matter that they own everything. It doesn't matter if they own everything. What, what do you mean it doesn't matter? Think about this. God is complete, right? I mean, he doesn't need anything, right? That's a fair statement. God doesn't need anything. So why did God create? He did it for us. There is nothing that God didn't create that he didn't create it to be able to give it away. 
See, God is kind, loving, generous. And Paul is telling us everything God created, everything the Father owns, it's yours. He created it for you and for me. I'm convinced of this. Everything you need to live the life you've been created for, you've been purposed for, you already own it. It's already yours. But as long as you continue to living as a child, are you with me? It's already been purchased and bought. If that's true, Kelly, and I believe it is, then why do we live as if we have nothing? Why do we live beneath what God has for us? I think one of the things we've got to understand is this. It's one thing to live by his principles and another thing to live in his presence. Are you hearing me? It's one thing. That's in your notes if you'll pull, if you'll pull that up back there for me. See, here's what I mean. The principles that we live by, the principles found in the Bible, those, those work for anybody. Can we be honest? You don't have to be a Christian. There are things in the Bible that talk about forgiveness, about loving people, about generosity, about gratitude. Those, are for, those across the board are good for anybody. And, and one of the problems in the church is that many people only know him by his principles and never really know him by his presence. Can I tell you, God wants you to know him Listen to me. God wants you to know who he is. He wants you to know his voice. He wants you to know what it's like to walk with him, talk with him. He wants, he wants to be the blood that's pumping through your veins. He wants to be the oxygen when you breathe in. He wants to be that close to you. And again, maybe it's not us waiting on God, but God waiting on us. When young children inherit all their father owned, still no different from his slaves, it does not matter that they own everything. While they are children, they must obey those who are chosen to care for him, for them. But when they reach the age the father set, they are free. It is the same for us. We were once like children, slaves to the useless rules of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, who was born from a woman and lived under the law. God did this so, so that he could buy the freedom of those who were under the law. God's purpose, once again, was to make us his children. Since you are now God's children, he has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts. The spirit cries out, Abba, Father. Now you are not slaves like before. You're God's children. And you will receive everything he promised his children. This next point, when it comes to receiving God's promises for your life, it's vital you understand this. God will give you what he promised because you are his child. But he will not give you what he promised you as long as you are a child. Think about that for a second. God will give you what he promised because you are his child. But as long as you stay a child, as long as you refuse to grow up, there's some things he's going to withhold. And I've got an illustration I'll give you here in a minute. Paul is saying this. It's all on hold until you grow up. It's there, but you're going to have to grow up first to get it. Paul says, even though the child owns everything, the child is going to have to grow up. So I believe there are times when... We keep wondering, why won't God set me free? Why won't God break this off in my life? Here's the truth. The moment you surrendered to Jesus, the moment you gave him your life, he set you free. But as long as you choose to remain a child, as long as you choose to live like a slave, are, are y'all tracking with me? See, we've got a lot of children in this church. And more on the way. When we talked about growing this church, married couples took it seriously. <laughs> and kids are fun to watch, right? I mean, when we do a children's production, people don't show up to these productions expecting to see this. Oh, did you see the acting? It was incredible. Oh, they killed it. They It was so awesome. No, you're, you show up expecting to see a train wreck. 
Be, come on, be honest. You get the cameras out, hoping to capture that AFV moment. When you can win that $20,000 and be in line for the $100,000. Oh, I hope, I hope little Johnny screws up today. Say something. Come on, say something. I want to see it. And there are things that children do as children that are cute. But when they're older, it's not as cute. When your kid is two years old and throws a temper tantrum, you're prepared for it. That's the terrible twos. But when they're 20, 22 and on up and they're still throwing tantrums, something's wrong. When she's 9, 10 years old and is completely consumed and focused on the mirror and she thinks she's Belle or Cinderella, she's completely absorbed, has an attitude. Well, she's only 9 or 10, but when they're 16, 25, 35, it's not so cute anymore. Oh, this is this. I feel like when uh, you're young and you're on social media and you're infatuated by getting the right picture, the right angle, having the lips pursed right, how many likes you got. Well, they're young. But when you're 30, 40, 50 years old and you're living by social media, something is wrong. Oh, I felt that sting. Some of you are like, I'm just going to clap like he's not talking about me. I'm just going to. Man, hear this. And if, you're, if it's your first time visiting, there, I'm, I'm, usually not, I'm usually more funny. And not, but I feel like I'm telling this is part of this series. Do you know who jumps from church to church to church and never settles down and, and gets connected? Children. You know uh, who holds on to grudges and unforgiveness? Children. You know who gets on social media? And talks about others, talk about how wrong they were instead of having a conversation with another person one on one. Children. There has to come a time in your life when this light comes on and you ask yourself, Am I holding God up because I refuse to grow up? Am I holding God up because of my refusal to grow up? Paul says the child owns everything, but it doesn't matter that he owns everything. If you're thinking in your mind, man, PK, you're being awful harsh today. You're beating us up. It only sounds that way if you're a child. Because an adult will understand, man, this is hard, but PK is pushing us because he wants something better for our lives. There comes a time. I'm going to tell you, I, I am willing. In fact, I believe this. I believe every church service during the message at some point, you should be made uncomfortable. There should be something said that rubs you the wrong way, that makes you walk out of here thinking about that. I don't agree with that, but let me check it out myself. And that's what an adult does. What a child does is gets on, can you believe he said this today? Oh, have a, and, and takes things out of context. That's, Marty's over there, amen, because he's dealt with it before himself. Babies, children. Let's move on because I can tell this is landing really good. See, everything that God has for you may be on hold until you're ready to receive it. Let, let, let's suppose you're around 10 or 11, and your dad finds a great deal on a car. And he, he says, you know what? I'll never, I, I'm going to buy you this car. You're 10 or 11, but I'm going to buy you this car. The car is yours, but you cannot drive it or get the keys or have access to it until you're old enough. Then when you're old enough... 
You're still, you're going to have to show me you're responsible. You're going to have to take tests. You're going to have to read some books. You're going to have to take the necessary steps to learn how to drive and study. Go to the DMV. Then you take the test, and when you pass it, and when you show me you're responsible, then I'll give you the keys to your car. But you don't want to go through all that. You just want the keys to your car. You don't want to have to learn how to be responsible. You don't want to learn how to drive. You don't want to have to go take the test. You just want dad to give you the keys to the car and let you go be free. But dad's not budging and you're like, dad is so mean. Dad just doesn't understand. He's so stubborn. He doesn't see that you don't need to do all that other stuff. You don't need to go through the process. And he just doesn't care about your happiness. He won't give you the keys. He doesn't care about my freedom. He doesn't care about my happiness. Why, why, why won't he just give me the keys to my car? The car's mine. Why can't I have him drive it? Here's the thing. Yes, the car is yours, but you don't get to have it until you grow up and show yourself responsible enough to handle it. Same way in our walk with Christ and in the kingdom. So what do you do? You spend your time taking the bus to school. You're in 11th, 12th grade. You're taking the bus to school. There are other people there on the bus going with you, but it's not because they don't have, it's because they don't have a car. You've got a car. You just refuse to do the necessary things to be able to get the car. And your friends are like, hey, don't you have a car? Why are you taking the bus? Oh, my dad's being a jerk. Won't give me my car. So now not only are you taking the bus when you could be taking your car, but now you're blaming your father and acting like you never had have any blame in this man is that not going on today we're blaming everybody else for why we don't have what we want when we're not willing to take the responsibility to get what we want come on see there are some of you that have been following Jesus for a long time and you're still living or relying on somebody else's maturity with Christ. And you keep blaming God for not following through in what, he, in what he said he would do. And God is going, hey, it's yours. It's waiting for you. It's your inheritance. But as long as you choose to live like a child. Come on. I mean, I mean it, it, the world that, that we live in now is different than I grew up. I mean, babies are being born to parents. I, maybe it's not different. Maybe we're just seeing it more. But babies are being born to parents who still act like children. You know what one of the biggest problems with that is? It is because their parents never chose to grow up. The child now is looking at them and thinking what they're doing is maturity or being an adult. And, and the problem is they, they begin to imitate what they think maturity is. What they think being grown up is because that's what's being betrayed to them. And then you've got a kid that's drinking, looking for his first drink at 10 years old because that's what grown-ups do. Come on. We've got uh, men and women in our CR that were smoking their first joint at 9, 10 years old. Why? Because that's what they thought grown-ups do. You've got kids having sex at 12, 13 years old because they think that's what grown-ups do. You've got kids uh, got that the, they grow up and become in debt buying stuff they can't afford because they can charge it because that's what they think grown-ups do. Come on. And they start making destructive choices in their life because that's what was portrayed as being grown up. But in reality, all they were doing was imitating immaturity. Man, so when, when are you going to stop and say, it's time for me to grow up? 
It's time for me to leave these things behind and start living in the purpose I was created to be because it's all on hold until I grow up. See, maybe I'm naive, but I just think the same God that raised Lazarus from the grave still wants to work today. I, I, maybe I'm naive, but I just believe the same God that, that heard the prayer of Elijah on this 60-word prayer and fire fell from heaven, that God still wants to move today. I just believe the God that healed deaf people, blind people, healed people of diseases, leper, who raised, he still wants to work today. Right now. Here's the thing. God has not changed. He's waiting on us to change. He's ready when we are. And maybe, just maybe, your life is kind of on hold because you don't want the responsibilities of being an adult. You're enjoying being a child too much. Look at the second part of verse 2. When they reached the age the father set, they are free. Man, don't we love to talk about freedom. I mean, we just celebrated freedom a couple of weeks ago. We love to talk about freedom, but what we don't want to understand is freedom comes with responsibility. And what happens is we run from responsibility, and in the process, we end up losing our freedom. You want to be free? You want to quit making childish decisions and start making adult decisions in your life to better them? Welcome to Adulting 101. Here at the Church, I don't want an adult today. I get it. But as long as we're a child, we're holding up what God wants to do in our lives. Here's Adulting 101. An adult takes responsibility for their choices. We're going to talk about this more about this next week. Adults understand this. Choices have consequences. See, when you're a child and you make dumb choices, dumb decisions, your parents will come in and kind of cover for you, right? I saw this really with my brother Casey. Uh, a lot of you know his testimony. He's 20-plus year opioid addict, and God delivered him. In fact, we were at a funeral of uh, Leo's stepdad a couple of days ago, and he was the one that actually signed the papers that put Casey in prison. So we saw a lot of Casey's old uh, friends, the police, at this uh, funeral. Or when he, like he says, away on vacation. Uh, and what I was amazed at, we were talking to one of them, and Casey said, you remember me? He said, oh, yeah, I remember you. And uh, Casey was talking, yeah, I've changed. I said, yeah, I said, he's actually my associate pastor now. And here's the thing. I watched my mom cover for him for years, years. A grown man, she's still covering for him. He did not experience true freedom until he chose to take responsibility for his actions. See, we've got to understand our choices have consequences. And an adult takes responsibility for those choices. Number two, an adult takes responsibility for their relationships. See, my kids, when my kids were younger and they were in the house, I took responsibility for their relationships because I understood this. One, my job is not to be their friend. It's to be their parent. And so when they say, hey, can I go with so-and-so? Can I go over to their house? It's about, well, I don't know them. Me and your mom don't know them. Let's well, let's talk about them. And here's the thing. I didn't care if they got mad at me. I didn't care if they, they wrote bad things about me. I didn't care if they went. Because here, my responsibility was to protect the relationships I allowed in their life. Parents, that's your relationship. And I may lose some of you. Quit trying to be their friend. See, now that my kids are grown up and married, we're friends. We're, we're great friends. We go out, we do stuff together. But when they were in my, I was their parent. I was their parent, first and foremost. But now as an adult, they're responsible for their relationships. 
who they allow to influence them. Who they allow to get close to them. Who they get close to. And as an adult, you have to take responsibility for your relationship. Is this person in my life really making me pursue God? Making me a better person? Or do I need to say, no, I can't be there anymore? You got to start taking, I'm saying when you're an adult, you take responsibility for the people in your life. You ever... And I know some of you have experienced this, but you ever been somewhere and a kid, maybe it was your, your own kid or uh, a nephew or a niece, but they, the ice, anybody remember the ice cream trucks that come around? And you're out there and, and they're like, hey, hey, can I, can I have some money to get an ice cream? And all you got to 20, so you hand them at 20 and they go spend like $3 on their ice cream or icy. Then they come back there and join and you're like, hey, where's my change? What, what you that costs you three bucks, I, this interaction. I should be getting $17 back. And then the child gets mad because you won't. Come on. Anybody ever experienced that? I think one of the issues that a lot of us have gotten into a pattern is this. We want God to pour everything he has into us, but then get mad when he asks for something in return. We've gotten into a pattern of getting away with childish behavior. See, when you were a child, if I can get Bubba to come on up. When you were a child, you were impatient, but God kept working in your life, right? Was it because he was okay with you being impatient? No, because he was just being patient with you. When you were a child, you held on to unforgiveness. You held grudges. And God kept being impatient with you. Was that because he was okay with you holding on to unforgiveness and grudges? No. He was being patient with you. Patient with you. See, here's the thing. There's some here that keep slipping back into this same sin, falling back into this destructive pattern. And God keeps working in you. God keeps showing up in you. And maybe you've got to, you know what? God keeps showing up. God keeps working in me. God must be okay with this then. It's not that he's okay with it. He's just being extremely patient with you. See, people say, PK, why don't you preach on sin more here at Watts Bar Community Church? I can give you a really simple, easy. Because we're really good at it. We're all really good at sin. I don't need to tell you that. See, if I have to stand up here every week and explain to you what's right and what's wrong, I'm talking to a bunch of children. And I shouldn't have to stand up here. You don't need someone standing up here trying to shame you into something. some of you that you've got some things going on in your life right now. You're doing some things, going places, saying things. You've got some dark areas in your life, and life has been pretty good. It seems like it's working out so far, and you thought, hey, God must be okay with this. But it's not God being okay with it. He's just being extremely patient with you. See, there comes a point when you need to move from just living in his grace to living in his presence. I, I am a grace addict. I thank God for I give grace and give grace because I know I need it in return. So I sow it every chance I get. But there comes a point in my life where I have to stop living just in grace and begin to living in his presence. question. What does God want to do in your life? What does God want to do through your life right now that he's just waiting for you to put away some childish things? What is it? What is God wanting to do that he's just waiting for you to step up, take some responsibility, and be the man and woman of God he's created you to be? See, 
with all these new babies in the church, those babies rely. Most of their diet consists of milk. And they rely on mom and dad or somebody else to feed them. Right? My dad used to say this. He said, when Kelly was a baby, when he was young, I would have to feed him. Connie would have to feed him. And when he got older, maybe it wasn't milk, but we'd have to take the spoon. But if Kelly's 10, 15, 20 years old, and I'm still having to feed him, something's wrong. And I think one of the biggest problems in the church today is we've got Christians that have been on a liquid-only diet for way too long. And all they've been drinking is milk. Because, hey, I'm fine here, and I believe what God is wanting to do through this series. He wants to give you something to chew on. He wants to give you some protein. He wants to give you something that will bring strength to you and cause you to grow. Because I'm going to tell you, on a, on a milk-only diet, you will only grow so much. And there are going to be parts of you that don't grow, can't grow, can't, can't get to where they're supposed to be because you didn't put the proper things in them. always God's child. Always. But you're not supposed to stay a child. See, Zion, Sheridan, Kennedy, April, those are my kids. They will always be my kids. Always. But they're not supposed to say, stay kids. They're supposed to grow up and start making adult decisions. says this and it's so true at CR Celebrate Recovery says listen I'm not going to ask you to bow your head because if you can't if you can't own it with these people here you won't own it out there so here's my simple question here, no, let's do this first everybody just close your eyes real quick close your eyes pray this prayer say Holy Spirit where do I need to grow up I just want you to sit there and eyes closed and just hear him speak to you. Because I guarantee he's going to tell you. It may be one area in particular. It may be a couple of areas. this past week, I thought, man, I'm, I, I'm just getting fatter and fatter, and I'm tired of it. And I got this app on my phone that uh, I plug my ears in, and, and, and that it t t helps me. I want to run, I want, or I want to like to run. I hate running. If you see me running, somebody's chasing me. But I thought, you know what? I want my bro older brother runs, man. He's in great shape. And I got the, and I started this week, which may not have been the best week because it has been hot as Hades out there. But it tells me, okay, now you're going to jog two minutes. Hey, and as long as I've got a countdown where it's going to tell me in two minutes I get to walk for a minute, I can do that. 
And I'm pushing myself. Why? Because I felt the Holy Spirit say, hey, Kelly, you know what? You keep talking about it and talking about it, but you're not doing anything to change it in your life. I want you as an adult to take responsibility for your health. Take responsibility of your life. If you really want it, you're, there's no magic pill. Listen, I'm all for the stuff. Hey, if you want to oh, 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 zip it. I'm a, listen, who knows? I may try it. I don't know. But I felt like that wave just hit some people right here. It's like, I'm, I'm all for doing things to help you get started. But there has to come a point where you take responsibility. Because if you're not, it doesn't matter. You'll still you'll go back to what you were. Are you hearing me? Some of you need to take responsibility for your health. Because you can say, well, I've been praying God to heal this diabetes, this high blood pressure. No, God's waiting on you to start exercising and eating right. Well, I've been praying, God, you know, God, uh, here's your promises about uh, taking care of us. And, and I'm just waiting on you to come through financially. God said, well, I'm waiting on you to be financially responsible. Because if, if, if you don't become responsible, you're just going to end up back in the mess you were in. Well, God, I'm, I keep waiting on you to heal my marriage or heal my relationships. God, well, I'm waiting on you to stop being a jerk and take ownership that you're part of the problem too. Again, if you're here for the first time, I'm not always this harsh. But I feel like God has given us some meat we got to start chewing on where we take responsibility of things going on in our life grow up because I believe there's so much more God wants to do in us, through us there's so many promises that, that we could be receiving if we grew up and quit being a child Though you own, the child owns everything it doesn't matter that he owns everything because he's still a child maybe I didn't mention yours because I could keep going and keep going but you say you know what I know there area I've got to grow up in. Just raise your hand. Come on, come on. I've, I, hey, I've got my hand raised. And if you don't feel like there's an area you need to grow up in, pride may be that area you need to grow up in. Dishonesty may be that area. Keep them raised. I'm going to pray. Father, you see every hand raised in this place. I pray you would give us the courage to begin to take responsibility for our actions, for our relationships. That we would quit blaming everybody else, even you. And we would grow up, God. That area that you're dealing with us with today, that we would start to make necessary steps to grow in that area. That a week from now, we would see growth in that area. A month from now, we'd see growth in that area. A six months from now, we're going to see growth in that area. Because we're not going to settle for just this moment. But we're going to grow up in you. And God, because we choose to grow up, we're going to see lives changed. Because I believe you're waiting on us to grow up to impact people that we work with, we do life with, we go to school with. And they can see what it looks like to really follow you. And I pray that over every person in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Casey, don't forget we're going to pray over this. Give it up for Pastor Kelly, man. Um, he was talking about how hard I was going to have it on Wednesday, but you know who don't come to Wednesday? Children. So, it's going to be all good. Yeah. So, it's going to be all good. It's going to be a bunch of adults talking about the children that don't come. So, it's cool. Now, joking. Kind of. So, you're going to hate me more than you hate Kelly now. No, but uh, we got a few things coming up. Starting with tonight, we have a church-wide movie night over at Athens Movie Palace. Very cool. Um, if you are a member of this body, like Pastor Kelly said, don't call up um, everybody you know and say, hey, we're getting to go see
still on Children's Church and Nursery. We're still having it Wednesday. Um, anything else, Pastor Kelly? 55, is it 45 or 55? 45 and up, is that Friday? Saturday at 5 p.m.? Come out, they're doing it here. It's because it's hot as Hades outside, like he said. So that being said, if you are a leader or a uh, one of the youth that's going on this trip this week, come on down here real quick. Come on. And if I see you as a youth and you're not coming down here, I will call you out. So come on, keep on coming. Nice, nice. Um, I want some people to come down here uh, and just, we're going to pray over them this week. Babe, you're going down this week. I want us to kind of pray for them that they don't just go down there for a good time because that's going to be awesome. They, I believe they're going to have a great time, but we want them to come back changed. I mean, changed. That's what this Christian walk is about. It's God completing us more and more every week, every day. So we're going to pray for that. Um, also, Pastor Ben and Amanda would church is paying out for so if you want to get behind a student pay for that gas is always a thing find pastor being amanda or somebody in leadership hit them up they would be so grateful if you did that uh, we're going to pray lord jesus we just thank you god we thank you for our leadership that's going down to panama city and just uh going out there to really just tire themselves out, but to believing that you're not only going to change the youth, but you're going to change them. So God, I just ask that they have a good time. They have all that, but they find a relationship in Jesus that they never knew existed. God, that they start maturing into the adult or young, young person that you've called them to be. So God, we thank you for what you've already set apart.